Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Priya Sam, journalist and host of the Turning Point podcast. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Today on the show, La Flame Wars. Somehow it still ain't over. And the Rage Game. When they get furious... We get appalled. Welcome to Shortcuts, Priya, where we talk shit about the news. Longtime listener, um, first time uh, guest, so happy to be here. This episode of Shortcuts is brought to everybody by Ruben Sweet, Natasha Jaswal, Paul Kozin, Nicola Hodges, Umair Khalid, Geneva Moreira, Jason Hamel, and Matt. Hi, I'm Matt, a freelance animator in southeastern Ontario. I support Canada Land because I also support bigger media outlets that often suck. And Canada Land sucks far less often. So it only seems fair. Priya, it is still happening. Since Saturday's Globe and Mail, dozens of prominent Canadians, including artists, journalists, civil rights activists and politicians, published an open letter calling on Bell Canada to make things right. Dev Canada has launched a new campaign throwing shade 
at Bell Media. This week, fast food chain Wendy's Canada swapped its mascot's recognizable red-haired pigtails for gray ones. An internal email sent to staff Friday states Michael Melling has decided to go on leave immediately to spend time with his family. Richard Gray, the company's acting vice president of news, instructed journalists not to include images or video of La Flamme. Who knew that we would still be talking about Lisa Laflamme two weeks after her contract was terminated? It's gone international. New York Times, CNN, The Guardian have all run stories on this. Big brands, as listeners heard, the Globe and Mail publishing, like Canadian royalty, Anne Murray is very upset. Jim Bell, silly, dear God, the establishment is appalled at what's happened. And of course, Michael Melling, who I think a lot of people first heard about from Canada land as the person who actually fired Laflamme, he's gone to spend more time with his family after we reported that he interfered with the CTV news coverage of the firing of Lisa Laflamme. And they've replaced him with Richard Gray, who I guess his first act as the acting VP of news is to interfere with their coverage of the Lisa LaFlamme exit. Priya, you worked for Bell. Why do you think this story is resonating so loudly and, and, and for so long? You know, it's so interesting. I've been thinking a lot about this because, and I think one of the reasons is because of the stature of Lisa LaFlamme. Like, not only did she host the number one news show in Canada, but she earned everything that she has. She has covered wars. She's gone to places where, you know, experienced male reporters would feel uncomfortable. Like, there's no one who ever doubted that she deserved that position. When you think about the loyal viewers, you know, almost a million viewers every night, these are people who invite her into their home every evening. And, you know, that's more time than you spend with family members for some people. So I think there was that element of, you know, we're taking this personally. And then in the business world, this is someone who so many, of course, journalists, but even outside of that, have so much respect for and who has earned this incredible position, has been a role model, has been a mentor, has guided Canadians through through tragedies. And something like this can happen to her. I mean, I think that is one of the reasons that it's just resonated so widely. I think that that's all accurate, but I think it's more than that. I mean, people who've never seen her on TV are writing about this and talking about this. And I think a lot of, you know, one thing that we know is true is that viewership of television news is is going down. I think that a lot of people who kind of know her as the anchor, but don't watch her because they don't watch any TV news. It extends beyond her viewership, the outrage. Yeah, you know? Like this story has struck a nerve. I think it of course has to do with the ageism aspect, the sexism and misogyny aspect. I still feel like there's something about it beyond that. There's something about this that's resonating and that just like people are connecting with. Mm-hmm. Part of it has to do with the larger story of the Bell CTV workplace. Robin Doolittle, it's funny because one of their responses when they finally did acknowledge, okay, something might have happened here that shouldn't have. And so Michael Melling is gone as we do this workplace review. Over at the Globe and Mail, Robin Doolittle and Susan Krasinski robertson reported that there have been three previous workplace reviews in Bell Media newsrooms. Can you give me some context on like the workplace issues that this is bringing out? Yes. I mean, I've been posting quite a bit of, about this on Instagram, and I've received so many direct messages from people who work at Bell Media. And the three things that I would say come up the most are sexism, bullying, and racism. 
And these are widespread issues in Bell Media newsrooms. These are the things that we talk about behind the scenes that, you know, journalists who work in these newsrooms, when I worked there, I mean, there were conversations about this and we were all supporting each other behind the scenes. And I think that the irony of all of this is that we're covering stories about these issues in, as journalists, you know, in other workplaces, but here they are happening in our own. And for the most part, I think, I mean, when I was in that position, I just felt powerless to do anything about it in my own newsroom without risking losing my job. And you experienced this stuff? Absolutely. Yes. I experienced all three of those things, racism, sexism, bullying. I've spoken about it actually on my own podcast as well. And it's what led me to leave the industry. I mean, and I think this is a struggle that a lot of people have is, you know, I never stopped loving the work, but those toxic work environments just, that was the end for me. I just, I couldn't, eventually that the bad that came along with the toxic work environments, the racism, bullying, sexism, I just couldn't handle that anymore. And I just wanted to do almost anything else where as long as the work was okay, but I was treated well, that just became more important to me. And I think that's a choice that a lot of people in Bell Media newsrooms are faced with. Yeah, you know, Manisha Krishnan over at Vice brought up how, like, we've been reading stories like this at Bell and elsewhere, but we we have been reading stories about Bell Media and CTV and, and the toxic workplace. But when it's a white woman, you know, the story carries quite a bit further. And I think that's worth that's worth noting. I've seen Manisha Krishnan's posts as well, and she makes so many points about the stories that have come out around journalists of color and how they haven't gotten as much traction. And I agree with that. You know, I think that it's one reason it took me so long to kind of share my own experiences. But I think that this, the reality is that as people of color, we need white people to support us and to be allies to us. And, you know, when I was in newsrooms and I would express a concern about racism and my white counterparts didn't stand up for me, it never went anywhere. And, you know, once in a while when someone did, that was when I was felt like I was actually able to, you know, my voice was heard. And I think this is a situation where um, as journalists of color, we can see, I mean, for me, I can see this as something that, you know, even though Lisa Laflamme is a white woman, she's a woman, that resonates with me. And I understand that if things get better for women overall, that, uh, of course, that does include women of color and that will bring, uh, you know, bring uh, hopefully better conditions for us too. But I do agree with the fact that part of the reason this story is resonating is because so many people see themselves in it. So many women see themselves in it because we're constantly bombarded with, you know, anti-aging products, dye your hair, get Botox, you know, use this anti-aging cream. So there is, the, I think, this this element of why this is resonating so widely, as you said, because so many people can see themselves in this story and, and see themselves reflected in it. You know, people will put up with terrible work conditions in media because it's got this, you know, there's a thousand people who will be happy to take your job and it's got like a still has some sort of sense of it being a glamour industry, even though I think that the word is out that it's not quite so glamorous. It's when those workplaces like Bell fired 200 people like with no notice last year. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people will put up with a lot until your sense of stability. It's like the workplace might suck, but like I've got a job in media. I'm lucky. Keep my head down and work. When that gets challenged, all of these stories are being shook out of the trees. And, and now that it's sort of like suddenly the big secret for a lot of people, the thing you're not allowed to talk about is what everybody's talking about, the workplace at, at CTV and Bell. And now we're flooded with information and tips and sources. And 
you know, it's, it's one of these weird situations where, and I know that we're not the only newsroom that's dealing with these sources, but a lot of people want reporting on toxic workplace. And we're here to report those things. And at the same time, I'm like, okay, everybody knows at this point that these media companies are horrible to work for, but we'll pursue this, you know? Yes. And I think one of the things that's different here, and even for me, I mean, I was not familiar when I was in the newsrooms with sort of the corporate structure. And I think in the first few days after this story broke, I just thought, oh, you know, Michael Melling will get fired and then this is probably going to go away. And I think the fact that, you know, higher level after higher level of executives just keeps defending this decision and supporting the actions that were taken, I think we're realizing how deep-seated and, you know, how accepted this type of behavior is at the highest levels of Bell. And that, to me, is the biggest problem now is that nobody is holding them accountable because, you know, the president and CEO of Bell wrote this whole post supporting this decision and still not giving a reason for it. No, there is sort of like a political d- dynamic that's interesting to take apart here. Like, And it's sort of why this is sort of, it's kind of delicious to watch this play out. They can't just make Melling the fall guy easily because, of course, even though Melling was driving the decision to get rid of Lisa Laflamme, he can't make a decision like that without Mirko Bibic, the CEO, signing off. Mm-hmm. So... You know, that like they're going to do this workplace investigation and maybe they'll find some other pretense for getting rid of Melling, but they can't get rid of him for this decision because Wade Oosterman and Mirko Bibic, the two levels above him, are were on board for this, you know? So it's it's like this thing that's spread that I think that, that you know, if, if you really consider Bell, it's this huge monopolistic telecom of which media is just a small part and news is just a small part of their media operation. So some firing decision in the news department shouldn't necessarily implicate or endanger the CEO. But in this case, like it's spreading because while this might not be a big part of their business, it's the biggest part of their optics. It's the biggest part of their brand. And I don't think any of them anticipated this level of pushback from the public for it to go international. And it was so poorly handled. It's just like they, they, they keep shooting themselves in the foot, but they've run out of feet. Like, I don't know what they're shooting themselves <laughs> at this point, you know? I agree. I, I can't believe that it's still happening, that they're still putting out these press releases, that they're still, you know, defending this and, and still not really giving any information and saying, you know, it was a business decision. The only way it would have been a business decision is if they canceled CTV National News. That Then, okay, you know, yeah, there's no news show for for Lisa Lefland to anchor anymore. They didn't do that. So I don't I still don't think anyone understands how this was a business decision. I'm going to give that a shot. I think I can explain that. All right, let's hear it. It's a bit hypothetical. I'll, I'll run this past you. And I mean, I have been talking to a lot of people involved with this, but I, I think I have to present this as like my best guess at how this business decision was made and, and not, this isn't reporting, okay? <laughs> but I think it's an informed opinion. Let me run this by you because you work there. As I say, if you look at Bell as a business, they make billions not out of getting people to like them, not out of getting people to trust them, but getting people to tolerate the fact that they are just a tax on our lives, right? They are monopolists in the telecom space, and we all begrudgingly just accept that you need a cell phone and you need internet, and we know that we're paying too much and the service isn't that good, but what are you going to do, right? So their relationship with the Canadian public is one of like, we just sort of 
tolerate them as a burden that we that we have to endure. So they are this big telecom company that makes billions off of that business. And then they are forced to provide news as like CRTC obligation for being in the telecom sector. And I think that from the bird's eye view of Amirko Bibic, CTV News, and I'm not just talking about CTV National News, the show. I'm talking about all of CTV News across the country. The number one news broadcaster in Canada. It represents less than 6% of Bell's annual revenue. Bell made over $23 billion last year. All of news brought in $140 million, less than 6%. What can you do with that? You know, the best thing you could do is just cut it to the bone. So you get a guy like Melling in there, and rather than like, how are you going to make a lot more money off news? There's not a lot more money to be made. But what you can do is you can cut costs. And Melling has been promoted and celebrated as an executive for how effective he's been at cutting costs. And then Melling runs into a problem, which is Lisa Laflamme. She is pushing back on him when she wants to spend money on Ukraine coverage. She's pushing back on him just in terms of his male ego and his ability to just like go my way or get out of here. And this is just the way it's going to be. And she's advocating for the newsroom and she's giving him trouble. And, you know, there's going to be some short-term loss to the advertising business if their ads go down, but maybe the top office of Mirko Bibic doesn't care much about that. Maybe a guy like Michael Mellon can go to Mirko and say, listen, you want me to cut costs. I got a problem with, with Lisa Laflamme. She's got too much power in the newsroom. She's not going with the flow here. Let's go with a younger choice. Let's make a, a choice to diversify our host slate at the highest level. And we'll, we'll take a couple weeks of bad press for it. But then I'll get the newsroom in order and we can continue to cut and cut and cut. And that's what Mirko signed off on. And if you look at it through that lens, that until this blew up in their faces, they didn't really care much about what happens at news. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at it through that lens, that this isn't really the business that Bell is in, all of this makes a lot more sense. Yeah, and I, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if that's exactly what happened. I still think there's a big issue here with the lack of, first of all, even though Michael Melling worked in newsrooms before, clearly... As you said, the reason he got promoted is not because of his exceptional journalism or great news judgment or strong editorial decisions. It's because he was a company man. He cut budgets. And it's no secret, you know, you and I both know all newsrooms are going through this. There is less money to go around. But that decision did not really save them any money, right? I mean, Lisa Laflamme, the amount of money they're going to lose because of all of this and, you know, taking down all the billboards with her all over them, all of that, it's not going to save them any money. So, but I, I guess it might, it will save him the hassle of having a woman stand up to him, which is something he clearly doesn't like. This is an interesting grapple between different perspectives, right? Because the big picture, Bell stock, it was actually going up in the early days of the scandal. As this is all played out over the last month, it's down 0.83%. Like, this doesn't matter, really, to their bottom line. It matters to their brand. It matters to how people think of them. But I think you bring up the bigger issue, which is, like, this is a contest about whether or not it matters on a different level. Because if the biggest news broadcaster in Canada doesn't give a shit about news, does that matter? And that's what we're seeing play out, is that all of these major voices in Canada are taking out ads in the paper and saying, this needs to matter. And we've been reporting on interference from Michael Melling in the news product 
And then his replacement, Richard Gray, in the news product, these suits who are actually getting involved in the news coverage and crossing a line that no newsroom should have crossed. And this is something that people should pay close attention to because there's like they keep screwing up the PR. Wade Oosterman, Bell executive, releases this letter where he says, all of these reports that we've been meddling in the news, they're totally false. That's totally false. If you look at our journalistic standards book of who's allowed to meddle in the news, by our internal rules, the VP of news is allowed to meddle in the news product. Michael Melling was allowed to interfere with the news. And now that it's Richard Gray, he's allowed to meddle in the news. So no line was crossed. Now, these guys, you know, nobody in the newsroom considers them journalists. And in any newsroom, having the executives actually like, you know, banning mention of Lisa Laflamme from your news reporting, that is a clear violation of, of independence. But they're doing this sophistry and they're still trying to somehow convince the public that like we are, we are preserving the integrity of this news organization. What's really playing out here is like Canadians, I think, coming to terms with the fact that one of the biggest delivery systems for news that's supposed to be advocating for us and representing our right to know is run by a big telecom conglomerate that could not care less, could not care less about the news product or what people think about them, right? And the ultimate resolution of this, like either it'll just fizzle out or something will have to give. And they'll have to concede that this does matter. I don't know. And I think the only way that happens there is if the board turns on the executives and, and takes action. Because they're really the only ones who have, who have any power over them. That is interesting. If the board of BCE turns against, like, Mirko and Wade... These are celebrated executives. Like, you know, Bell stock has done so much better than Rogers. Like, these guys are doing big on the dollars and cents, big business. But if it's this mistake, this blunder in their news product that takes those guys down, I got to tell you, I don't think it's going to happen. But it's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, I agree. I'm very interested to see what happens. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what 
Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Priya, we make sure that people don't miss news stories that they might otherwise miss. It's called Duly Noted. Can I duly note something? Yes, please. I want to like update people on a story that we first covered in 2019. People will remember this disastrous New York Times story by uh, one of their Canada correspondents at the time, Catherine Porter. The headline was, Drawn from Poverty, Art Was Supposed to Save Canada's Inuit. It Hasn't. This was just like a train wreck from the headline on down, from the possessive Canada's Inuit to a lot of what was considered poverty porn coverage, trauma porn coverage. Indigenous readers had a long list of issues with this. And it was one of these cases where it's like, it's the New York Times. They have the power to basically like set the record on anything, but they weren't accountable at all. Catherine Porter wasn't answering questions about the story. The New York Times, I don't believe they they didn't correct or clarify or retract, nothing. So what happens after they characterize, you know, Cape Dorset plagued by poverty, alcoholism, domestic abuse, brutality is never far away. It, it, it It was something that a lot of people felt did damage. And then- The Times left, and that was the end of it. Well, that was not the end of it. The NAJA, the Native American Journalist Association, just had their conference, and they have banned the New York Times from their conference over harmful coverage. And the National Observer reported on this and learned through the reporting that the New York Times still does not have one Indigenous journalist on staff. Maybe this is a symbolic gesture, but I think that it goes to show you that the kind of harm that can be done isn't forgotten quickly. And uh, here we are three years later, and they are not welcome. The New York Times, the paper of record, is not welcome at the Native American Journalist Association conference. Wow. They did an analysis, Priya, of the New York Times coverage, and they found over 800 stereotypes identified out of 300 articles about Indigenous people in the New York Times. And then didn't the New York Times ask to be refunded their fee, for their $55 fee for attending the conference as well because they weren't allowed to attend? That is indeed a fact. Duly noted. What would you like to duly note? I would actually like to duly note Brandon Gomez and his show, The Brandon Gomez Show on YouTube. I actually was just watching their coverage of the Lisa Leflam story. And aside from the way he's covered this situation, he's done so many great interviews, really contributing to a new landscape, I think, in Canadian media and, you know, amplifying diverse voices and sharing stories that we don't see in mainstream media. So um, I'd just like to duly note him and the coverage that he and his team are doing for the Brandon Gonez Show. I met Brandon at a conference in Montreal, and uh, that turned me on to his stuff. And and I would agree, this is uh, something that people should check out. Duly noted. One last one. I want to duly note that nothing that we love is safe. The news is always bumming us out about what's happening today, but you think that your cherished memories or your little habits, a glass of wine every day, or a lullaby that your parent used to sing to you. Nothing is safe. The news is going to bum you out about everything, and the arcade fire is something that once meant something to me. Nope, 
Turns out their lead singer is a creep, and it's sort of hard to listen to them the same way after learning from Pitchfork about Wynn Butler. But that's not what I want to duly note, because I think everybody has heard that by now. I want to duly note a couple things that stood out to me in reading that investigation in Pitchfork. It seemed like a pretty thoroughly reported piece. It details three people who accuse Wynn Butler, the lead singer of the Arcade Fire, of sexual misconduct. Not anything non-consensual or illegal, but like, you know, fans of Arcade Fire who were 18, he was a lot older, they felt coerced, there was a power imbalance. And the fourth accuser accuses Wynn Butler of something very different and and I think a lot more serious. The fourth accuser accuses Wynn Butler of sexual assault, of non-consensual assault. And I thought, you know, it's only a matter of time before some reader conflates this and thinks that Wynn Butler has been accused by four people of sexual assault, which describes a very different, that's like a serial predator rapist kind of a description. Sure enough, Priya, USA Today, hours after the story breaks, runs a headline, Arcade Fire's Wynn Butler accused of sexual assault by four people. And they later retracted and corrected that headline. So I think that because this stuff matters so much, it's it's really important to get it right. And I wanted to duly note some concerns I had about the reporting in that story. Duly noted. Priya, I'm sure that you have seen this video by now of Christia Freeland being accosted. She was in Alberta in Grand Prairie. I believe she was kind of out west politicking. You know, this was like a meet the people, press the flesh. She was in the local town hall, and that's when this incident took place. Christia. Yes. What the fuck are you doing in Alberta? You fucking traitor, fucking bitch. Get the fuck out of this province. You don't belong here. Priya, what was your like immediate response like when you first saw that video? I thought it was awful, of course. I mean, nobody should have to deal with that kind of harassment. No one should be treated that way. I was surprised by how much traction it got and, you know, just how many people have been talking about it. And now, you know, how the RCMP is investigating this. And I did think it was awful, but I, I am a little bit surprised by the amount of attention it's gotten, to be honest. Just because I, I think we've seen these sorts of incidents happen to other politicians in the past. Yeah, it's not super new and and it's getting more frequent for people to kind of approach a politician and yell expletives at them. I think that, and this is something that you have to see the video to really appreciate, watching that video, this is a big threatening dude, right? Shaved head, like sleeveless t-shirt. And when you're watching it, it's like, there is this air of menace and hostility on a visceral level. You feel protective of her. You feel like she's in danger. Like, how is this going to end the first time you see that video? You know, like, is this going to end in violence? And uh, thankfully it does not. So I think that a lot of people are just responding to like uh, how they felt watching this and how Mm -hmm. they felt for Christia Freeland. And certainly, as you say, it's sparked like a wave of response. The prime minister, he spoke up about it. Threats, violence, intimidation of any kind are always unacceptable. And then, Priya, we saw this thing where, like, all of the people who are allied with the Liberal Party were, like, 
demanding that conservatives denounce this. Will you denounce this? Will you condemn this man for what he said? The conservatives were sort of, okay, one at a time. Yes, we denounce this. I will denounce this. And then why hasn't Pierre Polyev denounced this? And finally, a reporter put a microphone to Pierre Polyev and said, will you denounce this? And he said, well, it's uh, absolutely unacceptable. But then he made it about him. And I can relate, of course, because I've been the subject of so much online harassment and abuse. Of course he made it about him. Yes, I saw that as well. Yeah, yeah. It's terrible. She was abused. I'm abused. We're all abused. It's no good. And then the public safety minister, Marco Mendicino, he, he kind of took it a, a step further. Here's what he said. It represents a threat to our democracy. And if we want to continue uh, to drive forward uh, we need to be able to have robust debate, but it's important that we keep that debate civil. A threat to our democracy. Okay. And then, as you say, it escalated once again, because it's one thing to say this is unacceptable. This is not the way to speak to a politician. It's another thing to say this is illegal. And now there's the suggestion that maybe it's illegal. The RCMP is investigating after a man accosts Freeland in Alberta. Priya... I have no trouble denouncing this guy for the way he behaved. I guess I do have trouble just with the word denunciation. Like, it's just like, I denounce you. I condemn you. Like, who am I, the Pope? You know, <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not really in the habit of, of handing out denunciations. It almost feels like I'm Michael Corleone. Like, do you renounce Satan? Michael Francis Rizzi, do you renounce Satan? <laughs> We're taking ourselves a little bit too seriously here with all the denunciations. Mm -hmm. I think he's a piece of shit. How about that? I think that, like, you know, I'm a big guy, and I think you have to appreciate the context of being a big guy that when you are verbally hostile or aggressive, people are going to interpret that. Like, it's not wrong for, for Christia Freeland. Anybody would feel threatened by the way that that guy spoke to her. But there is an important distinction here, which is that he did not actually threaten her. Like, nothing he said was a threat. But the interaction carried a threat. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, the the optics of it the and the sort of aggressive manner in which he approached her, yes. Like, that, it was scary. But, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, yes, he's terrible. Nobody should have to deal with a situation like that. Like, everyone could feel for how scary and how awful that, that must have been for her. But, yeah, you're right. This whole idea of kind of denouncing this and then, the threat to democracy, I mean, I think we've seen other politicians experience these situations before. I mean, Jagmeet Singh also, we've seen, you know, him experience these racist tirades. And um, and and some situations I think we've seen where there has been physical interaction as well. And I don't want to say, you know, it's part of the job because I, I don't think, again, no one should have to deal with that. But I think that the way this situation um, has been escalated has been sort of like an interesting like study, you know, what was it about this that set it apart from from some of these other incidents in the past? I can see where you're going with it. And I think that it's just accurate. I think that it's, again, it's a question of when it happens to a white woman was one of the things here yeah. that happened. And in fact, like a lot of those cases that you bring up were, were actually much worse because when somebody yells racial epithets at Jagmeet Singh, that actually is illegal. We have hate speech laws. Or when somebody actually says that they're going to kill you, which, you know, Trudeau has received that and other people have received like actual death threats, there are laws against that. But when you get to somebody yelling like swears at a politician, you know, like, hey, Doug Ford, fuck you. That's not a threat to democracy. That's a part of democracy. I'm sorry. And I... I 
I, I don't want to advocate for, I'm not trying to be the devil's advocate. I'm not trying to stir the pot here for the sake of it. Like I don't, but like what we saw happen this week was all of the political class get together bipartisan and say that yelling profanity at us is like maybe criminal. Like maybe it shouldn't be allowed. Fuck you, Pierre Polyev. Get the fuck out of here, asshole. It's not the way I like to express myself. It's not like the height of political discourse. But that is something that happens in a democracy. And a lot of people are kind of trying to meld this and connect this to a lot of the racist threats and abuse that BIPOC journalists and, and female journalists have been receiving lately. There is a big difference between a journalist and a politician. Like, you do not have to have a journalist in your life. Like, you can ignore a journalist completely. But elected officials have power over you whether you like it or not. And we do have the right to complain about that, to criticize them. And this wasn't happening at her home where she was on vacation. This happened in, in, in a town hall. I think she should have more security around her. I feel like she should not have been exposed. And I'm happy to condemn that guy's behavior. But I don't think that what he did should be illegal. Yeah, I agree. But I will say if this sets a new standard for this kind of behavior is not acceptable and, you know, you could face repercussions for doing these kinds of things, then I'm I'm okay with that. If it means we see, see less of that, uh, you know what? Great. Do you think it's going to mean that we're going to see less of it? You know what? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I feel like if we look to our neighbors to the South, I mean, I don't think that even though some people faced repercussions after January 6th, for example, I don't think it slowed things down there. I don't think people feel any less emboldened. So um, if we if we look to that, then probably it's not going to make a difference. But if it did, then uh, then I would I would support them taking some action. And if it's, you know, scares other people from doing these kinds of things in the future. If it did, then maybe I'd have to rethink it. But, you know, what I see happening now is like, when people perform their disgust at this guy's behavior, you know, we're disgusted, we're appalled, it's not okay, it's not acceptable, and they, you know, and, and they take this, this tone, I think that they're talking to each other, right? Like, they're talking to people who already agree with that. I don't know that that's a message that gets through to the people who are angry, and I think that the people who are angry are not all conspiracy, like, this guy people dug into his beliefs. I didn't care to, but he's got ridiculous conspiratorial beliefs. That does not represent everybody who's angry. There are a lot of people who are angry for like good reasons, like housing reasons and income inequality reasons. When we talk about the wider issue here, which is the level of rage in this country, I don't think we're going to deal with that rage by being disgusted by the angry people and letting everybody know how disgusted we are at how, uh, at anger itself. I think that it might actually make things worse. Oh, and that, I, you know what, the, you're probably right because I do think that that's true and people who feel the same way see pe uh, people like them, you know, harassing politicians, they feel more emboldened to do it. Not what any of us want to see, I don't think, though, to see more incidents like this, that's for sure. And things tend to escalate. You know, thankfully they didn't in this situation. And I think you're right to your point earlier about there needing to be more security. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to be clear here. Like, I'm not saying that, like, we need to talk to guys like that. I think you forfeit your right to civil discourse when you act uncivil. But I think if, if the real goal here is seeing less of that, we have to figure out a way to address the anger and not just dismiss, like, oh, this is all illegitimate, stupid, conspiratorial rage. Like, 
uh, not even just within politics, like we have to actually grow up and, and have a conversation about why people are increasingly so filled with anger and rage and actually start treating people with some respect the other way around and trying to like maybe have a conversation about solutions to that if the goal is to like not have this go further and become not just the threat of violence, but actual violence. That's Shortcuts. Priya, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. We're on Twitter at CanadaLand. I can be emailed at jesse at CanadaLand.com. I read everything you send. Priya, Sam, we know where people can find you. They can find you at PriyaSam.com. Anywhere else? You've got a podcast. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Yeah, I have a podcast called Turning Point. I interview uh, people about the biggest turning points in their lives. So I have lots of stories uh, from diverse Canadians, mostly Canadians. Got a couple of Americans in there too. But you can find me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, anywhere else you listen to podcasts. It's Turning Point with Priya Sam. This episode is produced by Aviva Lassard with additional production by Caleb Thompson. Our production coordinator is Andre Pruel. Theme music is by So Called. Syndication is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at CFUV.ca. If you like what we do, if you want to receive ad-free versions of all of our podcasts, please support us by hitting the link in the show notes or go to canadaland.com slash join. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.